This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here with Daryl Slater for the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap podcast. Uh, the Giants are coming off a pretty brutal loss in many ways, 44-20, to 20, right? That was the final score? Yep. Against the Cowboys. Um, they lost Daniel Jones to concussion. Unclear if he'll be able to play this week. Saquon Barkley to an ankle. He won't play. Kenny Galladay to a knee. He won't play. Rookie corner. Rodarius Williams out for the year with the torn ACL. Um, Andrew Thomas still didn't practice on Wednesday. He didn't play on Sunday. Just a lot, lot of bad. Before we, get, There's a lot of bad to cover, but before we do get into bad, I think I want to talk about something positive coming out of the game because it was such an exciting game for, and I guess also negative in some ways, but for Canarius Tony, I think we just have to talk about this kid because he's, he's all anybody's talking about this week already. Um, he had 189 yards on 10 catches. He had a rush for like seven yards. He would have probably gotten over 200 yards had he not been ejected with six minutes left. It was like the full Kadarius Tony experience to the extreme. I think he's probably better than any of us could have imagined. His talent, he's just a unique player. But like, what when you walked out of that game, like was both for for the fight and this performance. Like Kadarius was like beyond the injuries was like the thing to think about, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously this is a team that's one and four and has a lot of problems. But you look at some of the glimmers of hope that you see there, and he's one of those. And and certainly surprising because everyone thought, oh, it'll be a slow start to the season, and it kind of was. Yeah. He obviously wasn't ready to pr- play, whether that was you know limited practice time or no- limited knowledge of the playbook or those sort things kind of go together. So for him to have such an enormous breakout game. Um, certainly gives the Giants some hope. And he's a guy who can, for lack of a better term, go out and kind of wing it. I mean, Jason Garrett basically said that today. You know, it sounds like, you know, obviously he's not a masterful route runner. He may not totally know the playbook, which is fine to be expected. Um, You know, but he can turn a three-yard catch into a 20-yard gain, and that's stuff that you can't teach. Can't teach. So uh, he's got that sort of Sandlot aspect to his game, uh, and for a young receiver that gives you a leg up because you know you don't need knowledge or uh, expertise or experience just give it to the talented guy yeah totally and that it's a space-oriented game like Jason Garrett was saying so look the bottom line is it's for him this is the same stuff from day one like there's so much of that potential and athleticism and then also that like underlying nonsense and immaturity yeah if he look I mean if he breaks his hand by punching uh, DeMonte Kazee and, and, and however you say his name in the yeah. helmet well, no one's talking about the good game he had everyone's he's talking out about for weeks yeah. weeks right so he's not going to be suspended he didn't get hurt he'll get, so a, he he'll get a hefty fine but he yeah. skated on pretty much any yeah. significant consequence uh, but look I mean that, that was a crazy moment like he punched yeah. the guy in the head when the guy wasn't even looking <laughs> like, yeah so. it, was, it was a very strange scene um, to, to go back to his skills though like you, sometimes you never know if a gut when a guy has a breakout game if it's like a fluke or whatever. But I think the way he got it is what has me convinced that like he is that good because he does a lot of the work himself. It's not like he's being schemed open. Like the, the, the week before against the Saints, he had a great play where he caught. It was third and seventeen. He caught the ball with like two yards past the line of scrimmage, and then he gained the rest of the yards running around defenders. Like 
the, the way he moves, they can line him up all over the field. I, I will say, like, I get the feeling that, like, I don't know, maybe this is a weird way to say it, but it was almost a good thing that Sterling Shepard and Terry Slayton got hurt because I get the sense that maybe they still wouldn't have given him as big of a workload as he's gotten these last two weeks if those guys weren't hurt. So it still would have That's been fair. a yeah. slower process. Maybe he makes a big play here and there. It was almost a blessing in disguise, and now I am interested to see how they use him and Sterling because they both have the – I mean, they can move them both on the outside. They can line up everywhere, but they are both primarily slot receivers. So they're the two best wide receivers, so you have to get them on the field. Like, it's, it's just going to be very interesting to see how they play that out. But, yeah, the immaturity factor, I mean, that's been a thing since the moment he got here. You know, he had his whole cleat thing when he first arrived. He didn't show up for voluntary OTAs. Um, there was the whole thing after week two – was it week two, right? Where he was complaining, he complained on social media and uh, about his role. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just it's just funny how much everything can change once once like the production is there. But yeah, I mean, this guy is a really bright future. He needs to get his head on straight though. I think he he responded well to it. Like the day after, um, when he spoke to the media, like there was even a, a question that was basically like, why do you feel like you need to apologize for throwing a punch? Like the reporter said. Like I, I thought you were in the right or something. Like, like the fact that he showed fight. Like fans seemed to really rally behind that. But even Kadarius was like, "No, nah, I can't. I can't do something like that." You know, I want to want to be a good example for all my fans. And you know, it's just something that you can't do. Like this isn't. He had a great quote where he's like, "This isn't hockey or boxing. Where you can just go and fight everybody." Of course. Yeah. Um. So, so at least he, it's good that he understands it. He grabs it. He wasn't pushing back on the punishment. He apologized on Twitter. Like, he, he seems like someone who's like willing to learn and and grow and stuff like that. And it seems like coaches really do love him. His teammates are, like, in awe of him. And going in this week, actually, you know, I would keep an eye on. They, they did this once last week. They put him in at Wildcat quarterback. Especially if Daniel Jones doesn't play on Sunday, I would bet we see that more than once. This is a guy that played quarterback in high school. Mike Lennon said he saw him throw a 70-yard pass casually during warm-ups during the preseason. It, and Wildcat offense, like, was in vogue a while back. Then it slowly started failing, probably because a lot of the guys that were doing it, like, didn't have the ability to, like, read – what was in front of them. I think Kadarius might. I'm just very intrigued to see if they actually capitalize on this guy's skill set or if once everybody's healthy, they revert back to just targeting Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram in the middle of the field or something. Well, I mean, that's an interesting point. They were, he got, he was for, they were forced to give him opportunities yeah. and he took advantage of those opportunities. So like you said, if they weren't forced to give him opportunities, would they have ever given him those opportunities? You wonder. Um, but now they're in this situation where they have this dynamic player and you have a coordinator in Jason Garrett who is not uh, have a reputation necessarily for being able to know how to use those type of guys. Now let's see if he does. Whether that's wildcat quarterback, whether that's jet sweep type plays, um, how does he how does he work Kadarius Tony into this offense to take advantage of his skill set? Because look, I mean, it can't always just be uh, hey dump off three yard pass and run seventeen yards. Yeah. Eventually, a defense is going to be able to defend that. And you know, look, this week they're going against. Uh, so no Kenny Galladay obviously this week and 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 looks like Slayton and Shepard could come back uh, but, but Jalen Ramsey might follow Tony around for all we know yeah. correct this week they're going against Jalen Ramsey one of the best not only the best cornerbacks in the league one of the best antagonists and pests in the league yeah. and let's I mean Demonte Kazee like let's be honest it was like pushing and shoving it's not like he spit in his face and he punched him yeah he was pushing and shoving and then just standing there and Kadarius Tony. Swung punched him, him in the helmet with him when he wasn't even looking. Like, dude, if that gets under your skin, what's Jalen Ramsey going to do? I mean, Jalen Ramsey's got to be licking his chops at this kid. Uh, Ster- <laughs> it was interesting. Sterling Shepard even, like, pointed out, he's like, everybody in the league probably saw what Kadarius did. Target so gonna, his back. So they're going to so they're gonna try and, you know, get him riled up. Absolutely. Totally. I mean, that that's about as 
a basic of a mental game as you can play with a guy who's a young kid and, and uh, you know that's his weakness right now that he's young and inexperienced and um, a little bit immature I mean it's a rare situation where you find a guy who comes in a league who's got it all figured out mentally and is a, is a dynamic player yeah, yeah, yeah. all these guys have to grow in one way or another and and his growth has to come in in his in his head let's be honest he's got to grow up and so uh, that's okay that's fine that's part of the process for a lot of these guys and uh, let's see if he if he does it um, obviously you know Sunday has got a big challenge you know you know, for for this uh, for this Giants team in, in many ways with the Rams, but but certainly in, in a micro way with the Tony Ramsey uh, matchup, which I think should be pretty fascinating to watch. And 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 so I guess the next thing we should talk about is um, who's going to be throwing the ball to Kadarius Tony. Um, so Daniel Jones is in the concussion protocol right now. He had a scary moment. In the, I mean, you guys, anyone who was listening to this saw what happened. Um, but it seems like he's progressing through the protocol a little quicker than I expected. He was at practice doing some like football related activities so I think he's in like step three of the protocol out of four steps doesn't necessarily mean he'll be ready for Sunday if he does that where do you stand on the idea that even if he's clear before Sunday that shouldn't shouldn't they just rest him out of an abundance of caution like Andrew Thomas still might not play behind that offensive line Aaron Don I know you can't play scared once the guy's cleared he's cleared but like I don't know I I feel like they're probably gonna lose this game anyway I know they're not thinking like that but I would say live to fight another week right wouldn't well, I sort of, with that, with the way the concussion protocol is now, I mean, he has to be cleared by an independent neurologist. So yeah. there's a baseline level of cleared is cleared when it comes yeah. to a concussion. The thing about, the, the, the murkier one for me would be like a sprained ankle because the team Fair. is the one clearing him then. And the sprained ankle is yeah, like... So they have their own agenda. Right, whatever, so there's you know. this there's this spectrum point. of, except there's a spectrum yeah. of mobility with a sprained ankle. Uh, if he's cleared, he's cleared. Then it becomes like, okay, do you want to... I guess then how you call the game or whatever. Well, do you want to put him out there with no practice mm. time? And, uh, Jason, yeah. and and Joe Judge didn't rule it out. I, ultimately, I don't think he plays on Sunday. Yeah. But, and, and and maybe the decision... Unless is, he practice. We're recording this on Thursday. If he practices today, maybe. He was, Yeah, technically yesterday... Because Friday he, would be a light practice. So. Yeah, technically yesterday he was did not participate. I think if he's limited today, that means he's very close to being cleared, I guess, is my layman's understanding of the protocol. Yeah. And... Uh, Look, I, I think the, the question becomes, like, do you want to practice, play him with no practice action even if his, he's cleared by the protocol? Uh, I don't. I mean, he's played a lot of games, so I guess he could probably go out there. Would he be a step slow if he didn't practice this week? I think there's a, there's, that's a fair question. And like you said, without your left tackle, um, then are you putting him in harm's way of getting, getting hurt again? whether that's a head injury or some other kind of injury just because he's a step slow reaction wise and not even from the concussion just a step slow reaction wise from having no practice reps so like I think this is a situation where the protocol might make the decision for the Giants ultimately I agree um, um, I think if he's cleared if he's cleared I think he will play yeah. I think he's going to play if he's cleared because like I said it's not a gray because area it's, the it's Giants, no longer yeah. a gray area thing because of the protocol yeah that, that's a good point I didn't think about Look at you, making a good point. All right. um, Once uh, every few weeks. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting. Looking at this game and coming out of the first five weeks that are one and four, like I know like half their offense is injured, but the offense, even with all the injured guys, is still not my biggest concern about this team. The defense, I think, which is almost completely healthy if you exclude Blake Martinez and, you know, Rodarius Williams, who wasn't playing that huge of a role anyway. Peppers kind of sort of. Peppers, and he'll be back this week, I think. Um, like th- this defense has just been – a disaster like to put, trash. It, put it kindly <laughs> and 
and it's interesting, you know, today we spoke with Patrick Graham, and in the in the first five weeks, he was frustrating fan base, media, everybody, because he refused to talk about the previous game when they had struggled almost every week. And this was their worst performance. When, did, when was the last time they gave up more than 500 yards? You asked it when you asked him. It was um, I, it was 2015. I think they gave so up 608. So I think they may have given up like a 501. Oh, okay. Since but then, like but not they, as much as they, they gave did up 515 time. on Sunday, but, which was so, the most. So, so six years since he last had this bad of a performance. Patrick Graham was yeah. good about it. He was fired up. He was saying how it's unacceptable. He was saying how his best players need to play better, which is like more than he's he has. He's not critical about his guys, and th- and that's the reality. I think. You can blame scheme all you want, but the reality is if the if the players aren't playing at the level they're supposed to, this this defense like James Bradbury has been awful. Leonard Williams has not made an impact. Dexter Lawrence has not made an impact. Logan Ryan and Xavier McKinney have both not made plays. So those are like maybe your five most important guys on the defense because Blake Martinez is out. Their edge rushers has just been an absolute disaster. Um, Carl Banks, who was a, one of the best outside linebackers in team history, just like went in on them on his podcast. About how, especially on their tackling, not even on their pass rushing, but you know, Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez, Zimenez have no sacks this year. They look at, they haven't helped at all. Aziz Ojolari hasn't had a sack since week three. Like it, it just the pass rush is bad, the tackling's bad, the run defense especially. It's got, that's the most embarrassing part because this defensive line's supposed to be good. Like where, where where's your biggest concern in terms of this defense? Is it just the overall like the the, guy, the good guys not playing good or well? Yeah, I, say. I mean it's hard to pinpoint one particular yeah. problem because they have so many of them. And Patrick Graham, uh, you know, was like you said, it was frustrating to fans and media because he was going into the oh I don't want to look back mode because he talks to a, only talks once a week on Thursday, yeah. so I only want to look ahead. Well, he, you know, he knew I think that he wasn't going to be able to get away with that after that, that you know, garbage performance in Dallas and. You know, he came out today and said, straight up, that was unacceptable, what they what they put out there. And, and like, I think finally fans will say, okay, like, obviously the guy who feels that way, but I think it's it's good for fans to hear that, you know, him articulate that. Now, it would be even better if they actually performed well. Like, yeah, it's yeah, one yeah. thing, you know, I don't think any fan looks at it as a win that the coordinator comes out and rips himself. Says, rip, says, says something that we know that they're, we know that right. they're bad. Everybody it's a, knows it. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a maybe a step I don't know how much will him saying that actually well, I'm, I'm sure behind the thing is behind closed doors he's surely criticizing his guys about oh, I'm sure not tackling well like yeah. yeah I'm sure he's destroying them and, yeah. and look this is a guy who had a, a, a big reputation coming out of the night last year future head coach all that good stuff huh, this keeps up he's not getting any sniffs next no. next offseason zero zero and which I'm it, sure he's not thinking if about he hadn't built up so much goodwill from last year we'd be talking about him being on the hot seat hundred percent. I mean, he look. Last year, he did a really good job with an undermanned defense. Uh, not a lot of talent. Everyone looked at this and said, "Okay, cool. Your defense should be better. Unquestionably, a top ten defense this year because you have better players. It's, it's at least the same and personnel, if not better personnel, on paper, and it looks worse. Yeah. And, and guess what? They have to go play a Rams offense this week, which is really good. That yeah, that has a chance to absolutely light them up. I think Pro Football Focus says I did something on the edge rusher struggling so much. Um, I think Pro Football Focus has them with the best pass blocking offensive line and the tenth best run blocking offensive You're line. Talking about the, the Rams. Rams, yeah, 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 but not the Giants for sure. <laughs> and the and the Giants and pass rush are way low. Yeah, I don't. I think they're like twenty seventh or something like that. Yeah, it's uh, so it's not like an ideal matchup. And then on top of that, you're not going to have an offense for the Giants that's going to be helping you scoring wise. So the defense needs to have an out of body. Like they need to play like they did against the Seahawks last year. If you remember that game, um, they had Colt McCoy playing. Nobody thought they were going to win that game. They did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. 
I don't even know what they can do. They just need they need James Bradbury to play better. They need Leonard Williams to play better. Like who who of the who of their like top guys have you been the most disappointed in? Would you say is Leonard Williams the you know, gotta be? One guy? I no. mean Leonard Williams. Even Patrick Graham was pretty honest about him not playing up to how well he should today 100%. too, which is pretty surprising. This is yeah. what everyone worried about was last year a fluke, and right now I mean it's only been five games, but. At what point do you say it's only been X number of games? I mean, at some point, it's not only number of games. It's This is a problem that this guy, again, is reverting to not being able to finish as a pass rusher. Um, you know, you look at the PFF stuff, and he's been pretty good, I think, against the run. Well, he's, well, he's back to what he was this before. He's a good run stopper who gets pressures but doesn't bring the quarterback And is not so. worth the money that they gave him. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah that's not a $17 million a year now, player look, or whatever, to, yeah. Okay, so like to be fair, nothing happens in a vacuum, and so Dalvin Tomlinson is gone, of course, and he's getting zero help from edge rushers who have never been good. Yeah, Lorenzo so, Carter and Zeminis have never been good. They were they are terrible draft picks. It's so, all, it's always been a, a hope that they become better, and that, that's but why there's draft, been no evidence that they were going to do that's that. That's why they drafted Ojolari. I mean, how many swings are they going to give Dave Gettleman well, at getting well, a the competent fun, edge well, rusher? That's the, that's the funny thing, and it, the funny thing is they really haven't invested. Assets in getting edge rushers that are good. If you draft think about picks, it. I, but not first round. They've never used a first round pick on an edge rusher like in a long time, where a lot of good teams do do that. Yeah, but Ojolari was high in the I know, second. I know. I know. My point being, they haven't spent money on edge rushers at free They tried signing Leonard Floyd, and he's returned to the Rams. But like they, they, they've relied on these guys that are unproven, and you know, especially whether it's Ojolari or these other or the other guys you mentioned, like, or they try and get a guy. Uh, in free agency for cheap, like Kyler Fackerell last year, Fadio Deningbo this year, who they cut. Like, they really haven't taken big enough swings, I would say. They, they, like, they, they haven't brought in any – they need to bring in, like – like, Marcus Golden was one of their best signings they've had in a long time. He got 10 sacks in that crappy 2019 year. On, it was, that pass rush was maybe worse than this one, but Golden was getting the sacks. And then last year, they still had – they brought Golden back, and then you didn't use him, so you traded him away. They could really use a guy like Marcus Golden in the room right now. Yeah, for sure. And I think that – you know, it's one of those things where last year, if you look at their pass rush, other than Leonard Williams, it was pretty non-existent. Yep. Yeah, in I think the second of, place was like Kyler Fackrell with like four sacks. Or yeah, in terms like. of the production, he was their most productive guy. Now, now Dexter Lawrence got some push, but you know, you're talking about guys who work on the on the outside of, of the line and on the edge that you need to have more there. I mean, you look at the best teams or the best defenses, at least that's one of the most important positions in the NFL in edge rusher. And the Giants just have taken some swings, like you said, in the draft, not in the first round. And decided to not spend money on it in terms of bringing in free agents, and they're sort of not, they're not getting the results. I mean, obviously, you'd love to. The ideal situation is draft a guy in the third round, have him become really good, because you know that's well. Then you got because then you have a cheap. really good guy on a, at a premium position on a cheap contract. But and that's the, part of the problem. Like they've been trying to do that, but they've failed at drafting the right guys. So you're not getting that benefit. So now Lorenzo Carter's in his contract year. And he has like eight and a half sacks for his career or whatever. So yeah, the knock on him was he couldn't stay healthy, and now that he's healthy, he's not doing squat. I mean, yeah, and he's he's always been a training camp hype guy because he looks good in training camp because he's a big athletic guy, and then he gets the games and he doesn't do anything. It's a problem. I mean, like obviously, yeah. um, you know, one of those many things where like, I mean, how many years are we going to sit around here and say like, oh well, maybe this is the year for this Dave Gettleman draft pick. Maybe <laughs> th- maybe this insert year here is the year for. Insert name here, who was drafted by Dave Gettleman. Like, I mean, how many? There's like a dozen of those guys, or has been, who have either fizzled out or are in the process of fizzling out. And uh, you know, that's that's what happens. I mean, that's 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 how you're one and four, one of the many ways. So spinning it forward, not even just to the game. So this trade deadline's in a couple weeks, I believe. 
Like, at what point do you think they should start th- selling off guys that they're not going to keep long term? And it, the, the hard part is, as we've talked about, like, do you want Dave Gettleman making those moves? Yeah, you know, that's, that's. I mean, some of it, too, is remember Joe Judge obviously has a lot of say. I don't have to remind you of that, but just people listening, you know. Some, I mean, the, I mean, it's like everybody wants them to trade Evan Ingram. I think at this point it's almost too late to trade him. I don't what are you going to get for I don't know what you're getting for that guy. A bag guy. of balls? Six-round pick, like, is that even worth it at that point? Like, Right, exactly. Um, you know, I think. Maybe you just wait and get a compensatory pick because somebody will sign him, you know. That's that's the balance there yeah. because the Giants have so little cap space next offseason that they're, you know, say they lose Evan Ingram and Lorenzo Carter and even maybe Jab- Peppers. Jabril, yeah. Right, those guys go out. Those are your free agents Will Hernandez, too. Right, yeah, exactly. You you have a chance to get maybe like a compensatory pick when you pool all those guys together because you're probably not going to Yeah, they're not going to be they're not gonna be signing any, like, notable guys. So yeah. that's, that's the equation that I think people need to remember is um, – would you rather have a certain number, certain pick now for for uh, like a seventh round pick for Evan Ingram, or just wait it out? Yeah, for it to be worth it now. Yeah, like what, like what's tr- what's worth it trading Drupal Peppers now? Like, is it really worth it if you're only getting a fifth round pick for him, or you know he he seems like a guy that might sign a deal that maybe gets you a fi- I, mean, I don't know. It just depends. It's so hard. What, it's so hard to it's, figure. Plus, like, what's his value right now? The guy has is either hurt or he hasn't played well. That's like, the other thing. Like, like if you want to trade a guy with value, then then you're making your team worse. And I don't know if Joe Judge is going to want to do that. I mean, in order to trade a player, you literally I mean you have to have a team that says I will give you something for this player. <laughs> How you know, many teams? You know what? It would have it would have made sense to trade Sterling Shepard this year, and then they restructured his contract. Especially now that you know that Kadarius Tony's legit. I mean, we all talked about going into the year that um, that Tony could take Shepard's role. Maybe I mean, at least at the draft, we talked yeah. about that, right? Because and Joe Judge even called Shepard to said, let him know. Yeah, yeah. So like, what's that tell you? And then then we think, okay, maybe he's not going to take his role, but maybe they can cut. They'll cut Shepard because it would something. free up some cap space. But what do they do? They restructure. Yeah. His, so now it doubles his, his dead cap hit. Yeah. Right. And not only that, but it also. Um, you know, I'd, I'd have to look. I mean, even if you trade him, then you're still having to eat some cap because you converted exactly, some yeah. salary to a bonus. Well, and that's also with with Engram and Peppers, they don't even save any cap if they trade them, by the way, because their contracts became guaranteed this year after a certain date. So they both are making $6 million this year no matter what, and then you have you just have a dead cap hit on your on your charge. So, I guess so. the only thing is you would you would the, you would take the minor amount of the half of the year yeah. and be able to roll it into next. That's true. Year. So I guess that would be the benefit of right. so doing you, it now. The new team would take the would take a salary. The Giants could minus that and roll it to next year. And I guess they could use all the cap hit they can get. But I think to me, you look at it more. The draft pick is more valuable, and so yeah. I, I think maybe you tend to like like we were just talking about earlier. Loop all those guys in together next year. Try to get a comp pick. But who? Yeah, right. So who makes the decision? Right. Yeah, and, and that's. I mean, and also that. And people have made this point because everybody's always talking about they have those two first-round picks. But like, you can, it's great to have a lot of picks, but are you confident in your front office's ability to use those picks to the best of your ability? In exactly. the last couple of years, they haven't really shown that, obviously. Um, so before we go, what, what, do you th- how, what do you think happens on Sunday? I mean, a lot of it depends on if Daniel Jones plays, obviously. Either way, I, I, I just don't think they match up very well with the Rams. I think my prediction was like 37-17 to 17 or something like that. I, I just see a blowout. It's, gonna, it's tough. They're celebrating the 2011 team at halftime. Uh, I don't think they schedule these things very well with the celebrations. I think Michael Strahan is going to be against the Eagles late in the season, which is going to mean it's going to be more Eagles fans in the stadium. That's always what happens when the Giants are out of the playoffs. But but how do you, how do you see Sunday going? Yeah, no, I I, I think that I don't think the Giants will score 17 points if Mike Lennon's the quarterback yeah. with no Saquon Barkley, no Kenny Galladay. I mean, um, I, I get that Kadarius Tony played well, but like you. 
if you don't have those other guys to worry about, you can scheme against Kadarius. Yeah, now now there's tape on him. Yeah. And so I think I'll go Rams twenty-eight, Giants thirteen, and this is just a tough one because you know what do you, we always think about? Like, what do you write out of this game? Right. <laughs> so if they lose that game by fifteen points, it's, it's, it's one of those where it's like almost hard to blame them for. What do you expect? Yeah. I mean, if they, so, it's a it's a win in air quotes if they keep it close. I would say. Right. And and I think at this point, and it'll show that they have some fight in them that they're able to keep it close against a Super Bowl contender, that kind of thing. At this point in the year, if they're one in five, um, and in a division that is not going to be won with, you know, an incompetent first place team like last year, yeah, the Cowboys I think look we legit, all have yeah. to start looking at this and say, like, it looks like Dave Gettleman's going to be fired, but then, you know, obviously the team's going to exist next year. So <laughs> you look forward and say, like, okay, what are the signs of progress? And now the big one, unfortunately for the Giants, we talked about this on Sunday. Daniel Jones' concussion, like cloud, no pun intended, clouds everything because they need to get some definitive answers on this kid this year, right? So yep. if he misses a big chunk of games, do you do you, do yeah. you come out of so, it? So, are, like so are you really know? basing it on two games that he was really good in, or are you going right. to base it on the whole, you know, evidence, right. which is that he wasn't good before? I mean, that, you're so. going to look at Tony and say hope for the, future, but they're obviously not going to cut Tony. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So it's not like they need to make a decision. I mean, him. but the, the rest of the season does become just evaluation. Evalu- evaluation. Yeah. What's yeah. the word I was looking for? Yeah. So you want to evaluate Jones, and how do you evaluate him if he's not playing? It looks like this isn't going to be a long-term concussion thing, based on the fact that we did see him out there doing some stuff in practice yesterday. So before Wednesday. we go, I will say there's uh, apparently Joe Judge on his call with Rams media said that Jones is on the next step of protocol. He's going to participate in non-contact practice today. So, okay, that's a good sign, and we'll get a chance to talk to Joe Judge briefly before uh, yeah practice here, which we should probably get going and do. Yeah. That All right, so we'll let you guys go. We'll end it on that on that good news. Um, Check back next week for another episode, and uh, thanks for listening.